coming in as Bloom. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Thursday, November 9th with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. Steinberg along with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Save. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Coming at you from our uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hello, Wes. Hey, buddy. How are we? I'm doing well. Um, actually, really excited. Later on this hour, second half of the hour, Colin Patterson's joining us. Now, it's always good to have Patter on, 1989 Stanley Cup champion, you know, all-around good human being. Always great to have Colin on from the Flames alumni, but... It's uh, we're, 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 it's our soft launch on uh, our Mike Vernon coverage. Mike Vernon goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, I guess officially inducted on Monday evening. Uh, so we've got some great guests coming your way over the next few days. Colin Patterson was Vernon's road roommate for a good chunk of time. We're also uh, we have a we have a Hall of Famer queued up for Friday. Excellent. And and we have a former Vernon goaltending tandem mate teed up for Friday. It's going to be fun, isn't it? I'm actually super stoked. We had Vernon on last week. It was awesome, you know, for the, the Mike's Hard Lemonade game. And, right. And it was awesome to talk to Mike. And, yeah, it's uh, it'll be fun. It'll and, be fun coming up here. And you know what's cool? Mike Vernon's a pretty, I don't know if stoic is the right word, but Mike Vernon's a pretty even keel. You know, you don't you don't necessarily see a ton of emotion out of him sometimes and you can tell what this means to him. Oh yeah. Like this this is really really as it should be special for Mike Vernon. You uh, I saw you uh talking with him at the dome as well. He's had a huge smile on his face and this this means a lot. He and and as he said it like don't even know if it's fully sunk in yet that it's happening. Yeah. And, and it, it just takes you down memory lane. Obviously we're going to talk to, to Colin Patterson about the 89 cup run, but you know, I've had some conversations in the past few days with those who know Mike Vernon from his Calgary Wranglers days and his Calgary Canucks days. And you know, the neighbor who used to hand me down gear, like great story about the time Mike tried to hand paint his his own mask and and wound up with green paint all over his face. Like you can, these opportunities to reminisce don't come around all that often. And having been to a Hall of Fame induction myself, well, which a one couple of years at? ago to cover Jerome McGinley's induction. When did he? Did he, is he a Hall of Famer? Hall of Fame. Is that a big story? Yeah, that was a big story. That, that it's just such a, a special into. event. I, I know. A ton of you know friends and and former teammates of Mike have had it circled on the calendar and are going. So 
It's going to be fun to chat about. Yeah, Colin Patterson is in Toronto. Uh, he's going, he's, hey? He's, uh, he's there. He's going to step out of a dinner to chat with us. I was like, are you sure, Pat? He's like, absolutely. I Good man. So uh, that's coming up later this hour. Speaking of Toronto, the Hall of Fame game, the NHL's Hall of Fame game, just happens to feature the Calgary Flames when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs Friday night. That is the official Hall of Fame game. Um, and as the Flames kick off a three-game road trip in Toronto, I just... I, I did a lot of digging. Yeah. And uh, Flames trivia? Yeah, I just, you know, I was doing my prep for the game, like, and I, I really came across this one. Were you aware the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs happens to be the former general manager of the Calgary Flames? Is so, that is that Cliff Fletcher still? No, no, that's a good guess though, because that also is true. Ah, Brian Burke. Other way around. Went to he went huh. Burke went Leafs first and then. I might be stumped. No, Brad Treliving oh, was the GM Brad. of the Flames. If you remember from April 24 to April 2014 to April 2023. So he was nine years as the GM, I found out. Of course, I'm being a complete wiener here. Uh, yes, we all know that Brad was the GM of the Flames for the better part of a decade. That's why you come to Flames Talk for great cutting edge analysis like that. But I'd love to get the text line involved in this one. How do we look back at Brad Treliving's legacy and time as GM of the Flames? One of the longer tenured GMs of the team. Again, almost a decade at the helm. Here's the, uh, here's the on-ice success. They made the playoffs in five of his nine seasons. In that time, they won two playoff rounds. The furthest they got under Brad Treliving as GM was game five of round two on two occasions. They got there against Anaheim. They got there against Edmonton in both occasions. They actually lost in overtime in game five of round two. Uh, that is, that's kind of the on-ice success barometer for Brad Treliving. But I think it does, when you, when you look at the tenure and legacy of a man in that position or a person in that position, it, it does go a little bit more than just what happened on the ice. It's all about sure. building the team, setting them up for success, blah, drafting, blah, 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 blah. I'm just curious if I ask that question in a broad sense, how do you like, how, how do you look back on Brad Living's tenure as GM of the flames? How, how do you look back on it? Well, it, it's a really good question because the Calgary flames team that we're going to see hit the ice tomorrow night in Toronto is in my opinion, still Brad Living's team. Just like I would say that the Toronto Maple Leafs it very much. So are the team that Kyle Dubas built. Yep. That's not disrespect to Craig Conroy, just an acknowledgement that he hasn't made a ton of moves to tinker with what he was left just yet. And we're going to talk lots about it. Craig Conroy's opportunity to put his stamp on this team is, is very much coming up in the next few months, but this is, this is Brad's team. And, you know, it's a conversation that I think is probably going to go and we'll see what comes in on, on the text line. As Pat said, we'd love to hear from you, but it's a conversation that might go one way because of what's happening here and now. And, and especially with Jonathan Huberto, who Brad Chaliving signed to a franchise record, eight-year, $84 million extension, especially with Jonathan Huberto riding Pine on Tuesday night, getting benched for the entire third and period. the timing is quite interesting, isn't right? it? Right? It's easy to, yeah. to look at that and wonder about what Brad left behind in terms of contract commitments and in terms of, of what the core group of Calgary Flames looks like. And for that reason, it's... 
it's almost too early to pass final judgment on on what I think Brad Treliving's legacy will ultimately be. But my colleague Danny Austin put it this way, and, and I I totally agree. It's kind of a mixed bag, right? There there's certainly some highs. There's certainly some things that you would have probably taken back if you were Brad in terms of moves. And ultimately it was a team that chased success for almost all of his tenure. And, and the on ice success was limited with two, two playoff series wins. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because he took over in that 14, 15 season in, and that was his first year at the helm in the midst of a rebuild. Yeah. That was, uh, they had at this point, Johnny Gaudreau had played one game when Brad Living took over. Sean Monaghan had one season under his belt. They had yet to draft Sam Bennett or Matthew Kachuk, uh, but they were at the very... Jerome McGinley had been traded. Jay Bowmeister, Mika Kiprasov were no longer with the organization when Brad took over. And it, it felt like he was brought in to guide the team or, or finish off the rebuild in a few years. And then they made the playoffs yeah. in, in round one. And changed some things. It did change some things. And I, and I think it changed some things, not just for Brad, but I, th- I think it changed his marching orders too. I really do. I, I think that there was a, holy, we just, we just went to round two against the Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks that year went to game seven against Chicago before the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. And so you're, you, you come away from that. You're like, geez. And the, the Ducks at that time, Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler, they were an elite hockey team at the time. And they looked like it in that series against the Flames. Oh, it was a beatdown. Yeah. I mean, the one game, they had to scratch and claw just to win the one game when Johnny Gaudreau tied it late and then Michael Backlund won it in overtime. Yeah. That was the only game they won in the series. I, I My reaction was to whoever was sitting next to me, I can't believe we're going back to Anaheim for game five. Yeah. And then... They actually went to overtime in game five Two played a hell of a game before, yeah. before they ended up losing. Perry, I think, won it in game five. Anyway, but. sorry to interrupt you, but that, that did change things. And, and I, and, and what? They were eliminated in May. A month and a half later, they traded for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Traded away a first in two seconds to bring Dougie Hamilton in. And then, what was it, two years later, they made the same trade for Travis Hamanick. 2017, I believe, yeah. Yeah. So... I guess the way I, if I were to answer the question broadly before maybe diving in on the the nittier, grittier of it, I think that he, what I always, and maybe this is just because of the, the role I'm in and the role you're in, you might think the same way. I always appreciated him taking big swings because it gave us something to talk about. Like you always had things to talk about and big things to do. like think about the deals that he made, the draft day deals, you know, the Carolina trade, the Boston trade, um, obviously the Florida trade, the, the Hamannick deal. Like he made some big, big swings. And, you know, I even, even talking to him after he decided to step away, the, that was one of his big philosophies. He was like, I don't want to keep the bat on my shoulder and you want to take the big swings. And I, I always did respect that of him. And, and I think that it's something that that might be the thing that defines him most in my eyes is the fact that he took big swings. And sometimes 
He hit a massive foul ball. Yeah. And sometimes he crushed it. Like the Carolina trade, he crushed. And, and I think that we can all say that, despite what Adam Fox has become in in New York, what they got out of Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, and potentially what they could turn him into here between now and the trade deadline with the new regime, they, they, they got two pretty damn good players and important pieces on this team. But there were also some missteps in the trade market. There were some big swings that failed rather miserably in the free agent market. And to your point, I think having the conversation now about Tree, based on what we've seen from Jonathan Huberdeau and the fact that his last game he got benched, I think it makes it very hard for you, for me, and for anyone texting in right now to have the to, to be able to look at the big picture because that recency bias sure even if you are trying to take that into account i think it's almost impossible to eliminate because maybe the biggest move he well not maybe without question the biggest move that he made has so far not yielded anywhere near what the flames hoped it would yeah and i i think the the chapter is yet to be fully written in some of the kids as well. And I'll just use an example. It was not very long ago. It was two weeks ago that the New York Rangers came through. And I remember saying to a couple people, you know, Connor Zary is off to a great start in the AHL, but Braden Schneider, who uh, was sitting there when a defense starved team decided to trade down has played a hundred and whatever NHL games already. And, and kind of questioning well, was Connor Zary, you know, was that the right move for the Calgary Flames? Should they have this tall, somewhat rugged defenseman who's played all these games already? And yet two weeks later, the way Connor Zary's playing, everyone's thinking, geez, they, that might've been a really good pick. Yeah. This looks really good so far. And so I just use that as an example of the way that, you know, we're, the way that we're going to judge Brad Living and the sort of totality of, of his term in Calgary is, is still yet to be fully determined because of kids like Connor Zary and, and Dustin Wolf. And, and even what we see over the next eight seasons from Jonathan Huberto. But I want to touch really quickly on what you said about always taking swings. I, I think that made it really exciting for Flames fans because they felt like this team would be aggressive in trying to get better. That didn't agree with all the moves, but even the the big swings that weren't misses just never kind of came to pass the, you know, trying to go get Mark Stone, trying to go get Jack Eichel, the, the Jason Zucker. Right. The things that we know that the Calgary Flames were in on. Like I remember, and th- this is going back a number of years, but I remember the hoopla when Mart Marty Jelena signed a free agent deal with the Flames in 2002 and and Marty Jelena had scored 13 goals the previous season and it was a huge deal in Calgary because it had just been so difficult for that organization to attract any sort of talent in free agency. The James Neal thing did not work out. But the fact that the Calgary Flames were able to land what was considered to be one of the best sharpshooters on the market that summer, yeah. I think that sort of aggressive approach brought a lot of excitement for Flames fans for a lot of years. And when you have that sort of aggressive approach, 
it's easy to also sit back and say, geez, that was a bad signing. Or, geez, should you really have been giving up uh, first and two seconds for Travis Hamannick? It's easy to question, right? Should you have... Should you have gone and, and given away three draft picks to get Callie Yarncroke, a guy who scored one goal in a Flames uniform? Well, now you can look back on it and say, no, absolutely, you probably shouldn't have. But that was a team that was trying to make a Stanley Cup run. And so I think that aggressive approach with Brad is something that you can really appreciate. The um, the other things that I, I think are important to point out when talking about Brad's legacy here is also not just the way that he set the team up roster wise. Cause I, I do think that he left his uh, successor with some difficult, some difficult things to deal with. I think Craig Conroy is. Yeah. Yeah. Tree. I love you. Thanks so much for the mentorship for the last nine years, but yeah, this is tough. I uh, wasn't expecting this. Uh, to... <laughs> I don't know if that's what he's going to, if they're going for dinner tonight, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a conversation or not, but but I also think that, because I do think as an organization, the Flames are, are set up better. And again, not necessarily roster-wise, but I think they're set up better in terms of the way they do things a little bit better. I think uh, some of the, the drafting philosophy that Brad instilled in, in this group that didn't really change in Craig Conroy's first draft, and, and maybe it will going forward, but I think that has been a positive. I think some of the processes in terms of their pro scouting have changed. So I I do think he made more than when you're talking about, did he set up the organization better when he left as opposed to when he got here? I still think the answer to that is yes, but it feels a whole lot less resounding because of the Huberto situation and the Kadri situation. Although Kadri has been great of late, it, 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 it feels a little bit less resounding because of that. And that makes it, just slightly more difficult to, you know, say it was a uh, more good than bad because to your point, I think that that is still, if, if this Huberto thing doesn't figure itself out, I think Brad's legacy is going to wear that forever. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right. You know, and, and in a lot of ways, Brad's legacy, a, a big part of it is obviously what happened over a few hours on, on that July day, two summers ago when they thought they had Johnny Gaudreau, Resigned, and then Johnny had a change of heart. I suppose is the best way to put it, or or whether it was a change of heart or or it just wasn't as firm a decision as, as the Flames were led to believe it was. Well, suddenly Johnny Gaudreau's going to free agency and he's going to Columbus, and, and that right there altered the course of this franchise in a very significant way. Yep, completely <laughs> altered it. Hey, like almost like a U turn. Here's a uh, here's a few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, this from Greg in Varsity. I do respect Tre Living, but I don't love his body of work. Tre Living's biggest impact was modernizing and expanding the front office and management team. His hockey ops decisions were seven out of ten. If the hiring Daryl decision was hundred percent his, then he left the team with a mess in the wake when Tre Living walked away. This reads, Tree was a good GM. He made moves to improve the group. The Flames are a middle team, so they never got elite prospects. Ultimately, it's also on the players. Forget the dollars. Calgary will always need to overpay any player. It's a fact of life, and Tree worked with what he had. Um, This says, 
Patty, I get we're looking at Tree's tenure in a today's context, but today I would call it a failure because of what he left, but I would feel more positive about it in 10 years. I'd say it's too fresh as his biggest failure is actually not retaining Matthew Kachuk as he could be a future Hall of Famer. That comes from Kyle. Uh, this from Eric. I'm not sure why we talk so much about Huberto and Kadri. Instead, we should be more upset that he couldn't sign Johnny and Matthew. That's what I'm upset about. He did the best he could after the fact, but I fault him for not keeping the two top guys. And I do think there's something to that because I, I do believe criticism is warranted for fall 2021 when they were close with Johnny and they didn't sign him. They just, for whatever reason, it fell apart. They, I, they were close. Yep. In September 2021, they were imminent, and it didn't happen. And not closing that then, for whatever reason it was, was part of why it didn't happen when they were close in the summer of 2022 and Johnny ultimately walked. So I think that is a fair criticism. And not. I think the max they could have gone on Matthew Kachuk in the fall of 2019 was six but they signed him to three. And and that also meant that three years later, he basically said, I'm not going to sign here long-term and, and off he went to Florida. Yeah. And absolutely. Fair. And those are, those are worthy criticisms. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly fair criticisms and, and franchise shifting criticisms, right? Yeah. Like that this team went from having two superstars to a couple weeks later and they thought they had some, but, you know, Jonathan Huberto is not in the superstar category right now. And and so, so much of how Brad is remembered as Flames general manager, or not maybe remembered, but how it, he is viewed is going to probably depend on how Jonathan Huberto bounces or doesn't bounce back over the next eight seasons. I do, uh, before I read a few more texts, the number one strength for me was his ability to retain or, or sign guys in the organization to good deals, whether it's Hannafin or Giordano or Lindholm or the list of Rasmus Anderson's current contract. There were a lot of like internal contracts Even that Johnny's he signed for a long Johnny's time right? for the, until he left. Johnny Gaudreau played six seasons on that contract. And every single game he played on that contract was a bonafide theft of a bargain. It, it's part of the sort of pickle that it, it leaves Craig Conroy in is that Elias Lindholm's going to come close to doubling his salary. Yep. And a big part of the reason for that is that he was signed to such a sweetheart deal. Yep. It, it definitely was his strength. And the one thing I'll, I'll add as well is I always certainly respected and I think it meant something to the city like you, you I really respected the way Brad defended his players the way Brad defended the city of Calgary you know some some of the the moves maybe or, or moves isn't the right way to put it but some of the things you saw even away from the rink I, I think I think Brad had a heck of an impact in yeah. this city yep but I also think it's fair to sit here and criticize some of the transactions as is the case with every general manager yep as is already happening in Toronto with some of the Moves he made just months ago. Yep. Uh, this says, boys, I actually love Brad. I think he was the best GM they had 
since Cliff. I honestly think he had a hard time dealing with ownership, graded extensions, and I think he was actually decent at drafting. I do think drafting, by the way, was a solid for the group as well. They, they, they were able to do some uh, decent work, especially in later rounds. Obviously, the Kachuk and, and uh, Kachuk would be the, the most successful, but Dylan Dubé was a second-round pick, and Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington were second-round picks. Andrew Mangiapane was a sixth-round pick. Yeah, the, Dustin they, Wolf was Dustin a seventh. Seventh-round pick. Who is that that you have just mentioned? Dustin. I want to make sure I had it ready to go. Do we have a... Like, Ilya Slovyov was a seventh, too. Do we have a Slovyov soundbite yet? Look, I wasn't ready for that one, okay? Let's <laughs> work uh, on it. This says uh, Neil from Neil in the Northeast. Brad pulled off the first sign-in trade in the cap era. I give him an A- minus as a GM overall. This says Trey put together some very good regular season rosters. Couldn't construct much for a good playoff team, though, unfortunately. Uh, this says, I honestly think Trey Living's a good GM, but I think he was handcuffed by ownership. The reason Matthew and Johnny aren't here is because the owner wanted Daryl as the coach, and Daryl and Matthew didn't get along. Just my thoughts from the outside looking in. That comes from Tim. There you go little bit on Brad Treliving's legacy as the Flames visit Toronto on Friday night to take on his new team. And, and add one more, as Kyle writes in, to add Brad was an absolute class act and a great Calgarian has to be said. And, and I do, I would 1, echo that. Yeah, absolutely, that Kyle. 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, it's Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement. You're locked on Flames Talk. Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer. Today, it's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk. And uh, really excited to, you know, this is uh, this is our kickoff. This would be it. It is uh, Mike Vernon time on Flames Talk as uh, this weekend is Hall of Fame induction weekend in Toronto. The Flames are part of the Hall of Fame game Friday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then Monday is Hockey Hall of Fame induction day and going in as part of the class of 2023 is 1989 Stanley Cup champion with uh, that number 30 hanging in the rafters. Mike Vernon inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday, and we say hello to a 1989 Stanley Cup champion teammate, uh, one of the most active members of the Calgary Flames alumni, and uh, just all-around great human. We say hello to Colin Patterson right now on the program. Patter, what's going on? Pat. Now there's, you know what, down in Toronto right now, just waiting to, you know, see the game tomorrow night and then go to Vernie's party on Saturday. And then, uh, you know, we'll miss the induction on Monday, but excited, really excited. Tell me, what, what's, what's that, what's that Vernie party going to be like? Uh, it's going to be good. I think there's going to be a lot of people. He hasn't stated how many yet, but yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. Who was, so who all is out there and uh, in, in terms of former Flames teammates and stuff like that, who's out there celebrating this with Mike? Well, 
Lanny's coming out. I think he gets in today, as a matter of fact. And Jamie McCowan's coming out uh, Saturday. A few other guys couldn't make it from Calgary uh, due to either commitments or surgeries or whatever they've, whatever's happened. But uh, we have a bunch of guys locally that are coming, too. I think Gary Roberts going to be here. I know that. Joe Newendike and uh, Rick Natras. So it'll be a great time. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Rick Walmsley's not going to be here. His goaltending partner, he's in Florida. But, uh, you know, I talked to Gump yesterday and, you know, he, he said it was too bad. He, uh, you know, just got the weekends mixed up, but all good. Well, and I can, we'll, we'll, we'll get our, uh, I believe we're having Rick on on Friday. So we'll get oh, our, we'll, we'll get that, our, that'll be a great session. I'll have to listen to that. I'm looking forward to it. Just to, like, it's, it's, it's super cool to, to see this. It's always fun to see uh, a Flames player, somebody who meant as much as, as they did to this community and, and this team go into the hockey hall of fame. Uh, so it's, it's, it's neat to be able to celebrate. I also, just a little. I, Peter Marr is going to come on on Friday as well and uh, do a little uh, reminiscing on Mike Vernon. If, if pe- people seem to enjoy when Marzi comes on as well, um, what is it? Is it true you were you were his road roommate, Mike Vernon's road roommate? Is that is that a is that an accurate statement? It's an accurate statement for probably you know I'm guessing four or five years. Uh, you know, I looked after him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Road babysitter? Is, is that what you're yeah. saying? Well, I, I'm not saying that, but, you know, some could consider it that in modern-day terms, yes. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, okay, well, tell us about, you know, what you can. Tell us about Mike Vernon, the road roommate. Well, he's a great roommate. We had a lot of fun. I mean, obviously a lot of stories you can't tell over the air, but uh, we had a great time. I mean, we used to have a saying, we get into, the, you know, whatever area we we check, and we always go, oh, we got the suite tonight. You know, a sweet F all because our room was probably the worst room that you could get out of anybody. <laughs> we'd say that every time we'd all fire the boys up, you know, we get the presidential suite or whatever, and they'd all be excited about it until they found out where we really were. So, but he was great. We had a great time. And, you know, I mean, thinking of all the stories and stuff, uh, one, you know, there's always a bunch that stick out. Yeah, but Vernie had this buddy, Gene Smith, Gino, who was from Calgary, lived in LA. And every time we went to L.A., Gene and a bunch of his buddies, you know, we get together after the game and, you know, a few drinks here, a few drinks there. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm heading back to the hotel and maybe a few hours later, you know, Vernie would show up with Gene and his buddies and they'd have uh, Carl's Jr., like hamburgers, <laughs> fries, and, you know, and then they'd have like a two for a beer. And I go, this would be like one or two in the morning. You know, and we had to get up at, you know, our flight left at eight in the morning. So we have to be up at six 30, get to the airport. And these guys would be going on and on. And, you know, I'd say you guys, you know, you, you can't stay here. Oh yeah. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Better. And sure enough, you know, one guy would be passed out in the bed and then there's another. So we ended up pulling the beds apart. And I said, Bernie, here's the deal. These guys can sleep here. They can sleep on the floor of the mat, pull the mattress off and I'll sleep on the bed of nails, but nobody else is sleeping in the, you know, on the, on the box spring with me. That was the deal. <laughs> Cause all these guys are just so <laughs> sloppy and drunk. And, you know, then there'd be burgers and fries. You wake up in the morning, the room just stunk. And, you know, I, Gene would, Gene always said, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You know, we put the room back together. They would never know. I'm like, yeah, good one. But we had a great time, and yeah, Bernie was a great roommate, and lots of buddies and friends along the way too. Patter, if if this was you taking care of him on the road, I'd hate to see what the parties would have been like without you. Well, exactly. You know, unless you never know where those could have gone. That's why you know I was there to patrol it. <laughs>
What uh, what can you tell us about the uh, the traits, the characteristics that made Mike Vernon the the goalie a Hall of Famer? Well, I think you know one one was you know he was a great athlete. He was a very good athlete. People you know you tend to forget that with goalies, um, you know, and he wasn't a big guy. Um, you look at the goalies of today; they're you know six feet plus, even six feet small. Uh, Vernie was you know maybe. I'll call him five nine on the air to give him a bit of a benefit of the doubt. But he wasn't a big guy, but he was quick. You know, he was flexible. You know, he was stretching all the time. Uh, yeah, he he was mentally prepared for the game, but he didn't let things hang on. You know, and that's that's a sign of a good goalie. When a goal goes in, hey, you got to brush it off. You get ready for the next play. You know, if you're dwelling on that goal, um, you know, then another one's coming by you pretty quick. But he was, you know, he was focused. He had a great mindset for the game and, and was quick. Like he had, you know, a quick glove hand. He, you know, positionally very good, a good up and down. I mean, you know, he was, a, as I said, a good athlete. And I think people tend to forget that about him. Patter, was he, um, was he a goalie? And what I mean by that, like, was, you know, how sometimes the, the goaltender union, there'll be some, you know, interesting quirks. There'll be some strange things. Uh, was, was he a goalie or was he kind of just like a, a normal dude when he was uh, in game day mode? He was a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. How come? What were, what, were some of the, um, what were some of the unique quirks of Mike Vernon? Well, you know, I mean, of a lot of goalies, there was a lot of different quirks about them. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a long list of stuff that goalies were different, you know. Um, but he had quite a few of those. You could go down the box and check them off. I ended up through my career, my somewhat brief but very mediocre career, rooming with a lot of goalies. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it's interesting how, you know, the – just the way they, they react and the way they think about the game, too, is a little different. And Yeah, but he was a goalie. Okay. So I like that. I like that. Colin Patterson is with us, 1989 Stanley Cup champion with the Calgary Flames. We're talking Mike Vernon, who goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame this weekend. I'm not supposed to correct the guess, but I'm not sure 500 games played is either a brief or mediocre career. Well, it was, it was a bit of both. <laughs> so one thing I forgot to mention was, Vernie, myself, Neil Sheehy, and Al McKinnis roomed together in uh, Colorado when uh, Flames Farm Team was in, in Denver. And we actually roomed together there, too, as well. So lots of history. You know, Vernie and I go back really? 40 years. All yeah. four of you roomed together? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they burnt the place down, mind you, but so there'd be nothing little, coming little out of there. college dorm style, hey? <laughs> oh, it was. It was great. We had a great time there, too. <laughs> Colin. You're a, an 89 Stanley Cup champion, as everybody in this city knows. And I've chatted with a, a couple of your, your teammates. And we hear, you know, we always hear about the guys who played a role, obviously, for that Flames team. But there's there's three other names that I often hear mentioned when guys are reminiscing about that run, and especially about Mike Vernon. And and those names are Petri Skrico, Tony Tanti, and Stan Smeal. Can you just describe the way Mike Vernon played in game seven, game seven yeah. and, and maybe especially in overtime of that opening round scare from the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, he was, he was spectacular. And that, you know, you mentioned those three guys and three great players too. And, and you know, and I, I, you know, he made a stop on Tony Danny. It was unbelievable. And then I think, you know, everybody remembers the Stan Smeal save because it was, 
in overtime that would have ended the game. Everything was done. But he made a save on Petri Skrico, who had an unbelievable wrist shot. And I don't know how Vernie did it, but he, he just made a spectacular save. And if it weren't for him, obviously we would have never won the Cup. We wouldn't have been close. Uh, but those three particular saves in that Game 7 um, were amazing. And, and you know, and he could have easily been the MVP of that playoff uh, run too, like of that, of the 1989. Al McKinnis ended up getting it, but Vernie was right in there to the to the bitter end, I think, in the voting. And but yeah, those those three names come up quite a bit when we talk about it. And, and that's not taking anything away from Al McKinnis, but but Mike Vernon uh-huh. absolutely could have left the building with the Con Smythe, couldn't he? Yeah, he could have. And I go, you know, either one of them was a, was a spectacular choice and a great choice. And both of them carried our team. Uh, quite a ways in, in that playoff uh, year or two as well. It's it's funny, Patter, because, you know, Wes asked about, because I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Got to ask about OT in game seven against Vancouver. Do you ever, do you ever find yourself now that you, it's, it's been a while and, and, and you can reminisce and, and you have the, the full picture reflecting on that cup run. Do you ever, do you ever think about one that doesn't go in or, that, or rather that does go in. He doesn't make that stop. Like, what what would have happened? And obviously, you don't win the Stanley Cup in 1989. But where things might have gone for the organization and everybody's career, like it it, it really was franchise defining stuff. If he doesn't make those three stops, absolutely. And you know, it's funny you mention that, Pat, because we played in Vancouver, and when the game seven was forced, Cliff Fletcher came on the bus. And Cliff was Cliff didn't talk to the team that much. He came on the bus in Vancouver. And he just said, you know, and the bus was dead quiet. And he said, if we don't win this next game, game seven, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes. And then got off the bus. And everybody was like, wow. And, you know, you think of Vernie making those three big saves. And if he doesn't, that whole franchise would change. You know, maybe we would have never won a cup. Um, So with that group, uh, because there would have been changes for sure. And, you know, Vernie probably saved a lot of our careers and, and, you know, in Calgary, that that game, Game Seven. Patter, you've lived in Calgary a long time, as has Lanny, and, and so many '89 alumni have become, you know, powerhouses. I think, you know, in in the community, in terms of all that you do, I, I'm just curious. Like, Mike Vernon grew up in in Altador. He played junior for the Calgary Canucks and the Calgary Wranglers. Do you do you ever get a sense what it meant to him to have? the success and and to win a Stanley Cup and do all these things in the city that he grew up in? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's tough to get a real, you know, idea of that because, you know, none of us were able to do that. You know, Tim Hunter, obviously, same thing, you know, had great success, you know, from kid from Calgary and right. wins a cup in Calgary, now back in Calgary. You know, for Vernie, um, it was the same thing. I mean, it, it took a while. So when you, you know, when people talk about Dustin Wolf and the minors, you know, and you know, get, gets called up, but I go, it took very time to, you know, hone his craft and, and wait for that right moment to get in and play with the flames. Because sometimes you bring a guy up too, too early and there's a lot of pressure on him, especially somebody from the hometown. Uh, there's way more pressure on him than there ever was anybody else. And especially being a goalie. And then, you know, when you have success, you know, it's great people love you, but then you've got a group of people that are jealous of you too. 
So anything that he ever did, you know, away from the game or the rink, you know, people would be phoning, you know, if he's going two miles over the speed limit, I'm sure people were phoning in, talking to the, you know, if he's out having a bite to eat and had a, you know, beer or whatever, people are phoning them in. Uh, so there's that side of it too. So Vernie had to battle a, lo- a lot of things, but to, you know, be from Calgary to win and now, you know, to be, have your jersey retired, you know, obviously it's huge because every time you go to the rink, it's there. But now to be in the Hall of Fame, which is the piece de resistance, I mean, that it, to me is is really neat. I think, you know, Vernie really appreciates that. I think he's very humbled by it. Um, and it, it's something that, you know, I mean, I can't speak to because, uh, you know, I, I'm from Toronto and never played for Toronto. But, you know, I couldn't imagine being from Toronto, playing for Toronto, and then winning a cup in Toronto. I'm sure lots of people can't remember Toronto winning a cup. Stopping, <laughs> by the way, 67. I remember. <laughs> but, but, yeah, something like that, it's, it's you know, it's huge. It's, you know, it's pretty spectacular. And, um, you know, just thinking about the other night they had with the Mike, Mike Hart, Mike's Heart Lemonade. Yeah. All the mics. I thought that was brilliant, you know, and I thought it was really neat and a great way to honor him before, you know, he goes into the Hall of Fame, too. And I know that, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing him, you know, here and uh, it's going to be quite exciting. I did phone him and ask him if we were rooming together this weekend, but we're not. So, you know, I'm sure the parties will be out of control, Wes. So don't that. <laughs> I, I I just want to make sure, like, you're in Toronto. Were you whispering with the 67 reference, or are you, are you living no, dangerously no. there? Yeah, living dangerously. Obviously, nobody else can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Two more for you, Pat. Or Colin Patterson's with us talking Mike Vernon. So you've got... I, I just I'm curious from your standpoint. So Mike Vernon will now join Al McInnes, Lanny McDonald, Joe Mullen, Doug Gilmore, Joe Newendike uh, in terms of players on that '89 team. Plus Cliff Fletcher, Harley, and uh, Doc Seaman are all in the hall as builders as well. Yeah, that- Pat, I know where you're going with this, and I know <laughs> you're saying, Pat, are you put a lot of guys in the hall. When's it your turn? I'm just waiting you know, me out. When is it your turn? <laughs> Future, I always consider my future potential Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know what? We're going to call you potential future Hall of Famer, Colin <laughs> Patterson. That's got to be a sense of pride, knowing you know what you did for these Hall of Famers, and to know that you, you played with that many guys who who have been enshrined, and and now as as a former roommate of yours, now you've made another one in Mike Vernon. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, when you think of the number of guys, and there could be more from that team too. You know, when you look at a guy like you know Theo, Gary yeah. Robertson, you know, we yeah. had a lot of. A lot of great players, and yeah, it's pretty. You know, it's it's heartwarming in a way, and it's it's really neat to to think that you played with so many guys that that are in the hall, and it's quite an honor to be honest with you. Um, what was he like in the locker room? What was what was Mike Vernon like between periods? Or you know, somebody needs to say something. You're down by two going into the third. What what or or before a game? Give us a give us a feel as to Mike Vernon in the room. Uh, he was a quiet guy. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he was, we had a lot, we had a lot of, like, we had a really fun dressing room. It was a lot of funny guys. There's lots of banter going on, you know, and I mean, Vernie would take it all in and uh, he was, he was a great teammate, like a great teammate, never blamed anybody. Um, you know what? I mean, it's easy, you know, when you're a goalie, you're the last line of defense. And, you know, a lot of times the play doesn't, you know, start with the goalie making a bad save or making, you know, a bad play. It's usually, 
you know, something happens in either their end or our end uh, that, that leads to a goal. Um, but he was never one to, you know, pin blame on anybody. And, you know, and he was just, a, he was a good team guy, great guy. Can you, uh, just before we let you go, and I know we've taken you away from a dinner, so we really appreciate the time. Uh, just uh, tell us what's happening with you and, and Breaking Free Foundation and what you've been up to the last little bit. Give us a little bit of, uh, give us a little bit of an update there. Oh, man, you know, we've had a busy couple of weeks. Uh, we had Hockey Helps the Homeless. Uh, we had the Eric Pizza, Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Uh, we had, the, you know, obviously there was uh, the Breaking Free Foundation, which held its poker tournament, raised about 17000 So thanks very much for the support on that, too, Pat. It was great uh, to get the word out. And then uh, they had the uh, Special Olympics breakfast uh, a couple of, a couple of days ago. Yeah. I was unfortunately not able to make that, but we had great representation with Perry Bears and Jim McCowan and Lanny McDonald and hey, La- Lanny little... and Lanny and Jamie. I don't know if we need to go down stretch it with Perry, but everybody else. No, is Perry's the best. Like Perry <laughs> he is, is the absolute guy for you know the Special Olympics. He, you know he's our guy. He does a lot of representation uh, with them. So. He has been unbelievable with them. Oh, I and I can vouch for that. Uh, having having been at uh, the the amount of events that that I've been at with Special Calgary the last number of years, the athletes like you could have Taylor Swift followed by Harry Styles walk into the room, and then if Perry Barrison's there, that, like nobody would care. The athletes, the the amount that they love Perry, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give Perry his due there. He's a A plus human being, uh, and I do got to say, Absolutely. I do got to say, and, and I, I I know the uh, Flames alumni gets lots of love, but I want to make sure that I, I don't know if you get enough love for all that you guys do in the community. Uh, for instance, on Monday at the Special Olympics Breakfast with Champions, uh, you started it off with a, a very generous uh, donation just off the cuff. Uh, Lanny Cooner and and, um, and and Perry with that unbelievable donation to Special Olympics Calgary. So you guys do you you guys do great work, Patter, and and being one of the most active guys in the alumni, just want to make sure that we always uh, underline the work you do. I know you don't do it for the recognition but you deserve it absolutely well thank you very much and you know our whole alumni does great work and that's every guy you know and our alumni as we thought was pretty special because we have guys who played for the flames and guys who never played for the flames played in the nhl but live in calgary who do a ton of work and i always reference Lindsay carson uh, he's been our alumni over 30 years played for philly and played for you know hartford he goes i've been with the flames alumni so long he goes I think I played for the Flames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get back to dinner, Patter. Thanks for doing this today, hey? Okay. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, thanks, Patter. Uh, Colin Patterson, 1989 Stanley Cup champion, road roommate of Mike Vernon, and a whole lot more. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it's neat. I'm looking forward. We're going to chat with Peter Marr and uh, Rick Wamsley on Friday, which is going to be pretty neat. Because I think it's, it's, it's worthy of celebrating. Like, there's Absolutely. not a lot of... There's not a lot of Flames and and Newendijk McKinnis like th- there are lots of flames in the Hockey Hall of Fame but like ones that are mainly associated just with the Flames and that's not a knock on Vernon's time in Detroit or San Jose but I think everybody thinks Vernon the Flame before anything else. Well, and and I mentioned this in our interview with Colin, not just a Flame but a a Calgary kid, right? This is a made in Calgary success story 
that winds up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. I'm going to get out on time. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Taylor and Cam are outstanding producers. My name is Pat, and that'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com.